Alan here. So glad to have you back at the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm here today with Trent, and we are so glad to be with you, helping you and your church endure. And this is kind of part two in our series. So if you didn't listen to part one last week, uh, Trent sang for us, uh, introduced our theme. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to ruin our podcast by doing that today. Um, but we were asked if you, you wanted to build a pastor last week, what would be some of those traits? And today, Trent, we want to talk about if you could build your ideal worship leader and it could be a worship pastor maybe a worship leader um we know that these uh this particular role comes in a lot of different formats but what would be some of those traits that at least we think would be of the most importance so we want to talk about that yeah alan this is going to be good uh, and your what you said is absolutely true that um you know every church deals with this because they're you know some churches can afford a very um, almost professional um, musician to come and lead. Others can't afford a volunteer, you know, so it's a struggle. Um, Some churches have orchestras and so many other different things going on. Like uh, one of our churches that we we go to, they have not only handbells, but they have kids' handbells. They have ukuleles. They have all kinds of things. Um, and so that's a huge program. But then I also know of churches and are good friends with, with the pastors of churches that they have, you know, somebody who can play one hand on the piano and that's it, or they don't have a pianist at all. So it's all kinds. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you, uh, it doesn't really matter what your format looks like. There's some traits that you want in the people who are going to stand up there and guide your your service through a time of worship. And that's kind of what we're focusing in on. Now, Trent, we, we put a list of eight things together, even though for some reason, when we put our note together, it refused to use the number six. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, one, seven, eight. And I don't know why, but, but it, it's what our note is. But we assume that there's a certain level of musical ability in here. We're not going to sit around. We, we recognize that though. I don't know how important where I'd put that on this list. It would be in there somewhere, but I don't know that these other eight things probably aren't more important anyway. Well, and it really depends on what you are looking for as far as what your church offers in the music and the worship program. If you do have a large um, church with an orchestra, uh, you're going to need somebody who's able to lead that orchestra. If you just have a piano you may need somebody who can lead from the piano or is willing to help um, develop a program with nobody else. So it kind of depends. But yes, you're right, Alan. It's important that you are have some musical ability in this. Yes, I have had to lead worship before. And it's a wonder <laughs> that anyone ever came back after that. So we <laughs> never want to see that. So pastors, if you're out there and you like suffer from that, I've been there, done that hate that. And that's why you want to find these people. We want to help you know what traits to look for when you're finding those people who (laughs) relieve you of that miserable duty as well. So anyway, worship is great. Leading worship, not so great. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I enjoy worshiping more than leading it for sure. Well, let's, let's talk through some of these. We've we've got um, eight um, with a one instead of a six. Uh, But these are things that, that I think are important for you to look at characteristics in a person that you're um, looking to either bring on as a volunteer or as a part of the staff. 
And either way, I think these are super important. And so the very first one, Alan, is that they are authentic worshipers, both privately and publicly. And so when you when you see that, Alan, what comes to mind? Well, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit last week with pastors. You know when someone's authentic in their faith, when they're genuine. And I think that that really shows even more so on the side of worship when someone is just there about performance and it shows that they care more about performance and the focus isn't on on the who of the worship it it really shows up and it just takes away from it you know we hear these comments today of well that that church is just kind of like a concert and really what's behind the heart of that is there's not a sincerity there there's a performance mindset there and not a worship mindset and one of the trends that we can see is that even in large churches with highly capable musicians, there's a desire and a longing for church to engage spiritually and to know that, that really there's a communication between us and God that's going on. Yes. And this is, it's hard to quantify, right? You know, but it, you know, take in mind the, the old saying that you're not a leader if nobody's behind you. Um, And, that's true in this area too you have to be willing and wanting to bring people to jesus and not just to you um and so that that person needs to be worshiping not performing um and their attitude it's hard to know that until you get to know that person um and you know and that's hard because when a church is looking to hire someone you really you don't know that unless you get to see them in if they're performing or leading in another place. Yes, it is really hard to quantify because and that's the other side you kind of run into because uh, it, it is an artsier form. And people who are more gifted in arts sometimes are more skillful at covering up different parts of their life. And that's not that's not a critique. It's actually in some ways it's a blessing but it's something that can be hard to mine for sometimes um, because you're dealing with what we consider a more artistic personality a lot of times. And there's just different layers that go, go along with that. And you can get into the, all the research and kind of figure out some of the hows and whys of that. But that's why sometimes too, we, we struggle with number two and that's that the person demonstrates a humility. In other words, they don't have that diva mindset because that's one of the things that can happen. Someone can seem, just like they're just like you or me and get up on stage and this alter ego seems to take over where everything can be around about them and around them. And you're like, where did this person come from? But that's kind of a, a stage persona. And sometimes we, we run into that in, in church life. And I've seen a lot of pastors struggle with the difficulties of trying to deal with that. And so these first two things, Alan, are, I think would be super important if you're on the search team that is looking for this person, looking for a worship leader, for you to take time um, and not just a one shot, not a one off thing, but see them lead worship over a number of times um, because you'll, you'll get to see the way that they handle other people, the way they present themselves are they leading people to Jesus instead of themselves? Yeah, that humility, I, th I think, is just so huge. And you see the difference. 
Um, when you walk into a worship service and you see someone who is humble, it is so refreshing. You know, I, I get to go into some churches that have some really dynamic worship leaders, but they also, those dynamic worship leaders, guess what they draw around them? Dynamic worship people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes those personalities, they struggle to mesh at times. But one of the things I've noticed about some of these that are so gifted and yet so humble is they are totally fine just fading off into the background and letting other people shine out on a song or on a Sunday or in any other number of ways. And that is just so refreshing and so important and can't be can't be understated. Well, and I had a perfect example of that. This past week, I was invited to preach at a Burmese church, Alan, and their worship leader, it was a lady that she she stepped back, you know, and she never was in front, but she was, you could tell she was leading, you know, into the songs and would speak a little bit between songs, but she was always in the background and she would let other people be up front. And uh, she did an amazing job. And so I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's a great, great example. So, you know, they're authentic worshipers. They demonstrate humility. They also love God's word. That's a that's a huge one for me. I don't want it to be just about the songs. I don't want it to be about anything. We're people of a book, of the book, of the Bible, Mm -hmm. and they need to love God's word. Yeah, you know, and there's so many ways that that a worship leader can add scripture into the worship service as they lead into songs that make those songs so much more meaningful if they just will speak a a scripture um, or you know talk about how this song is drawn from scripture boy that can add so much more and it makes the worship come alive yeah i love it when a worship leader is engaging with the song and they say you know this song came to my mind as, you know, I was reading in my Bible this week, and this is such a powerful reminder for us of this truth about who God is and his character or, or, or whatever. It just, it really does bring it to life, and that's part of what we want to see. We're not up there just to sing songs. Worshiping right. and singing songs are not the same thing, but worship is directing our hearts and minds toward God and getting aligned on who he is. And recognizing that his word plays a huge role in that is is truly important for our worship leaders. And so I always want to know that that person is regularly engaged in God's word, that they, they're incorporating God's word. And that really does lead to our next point, Alan, about leading out and, and leading out in prayer, leading out in, you know, just inviting people, you know, to encounter scripture, to encounter God and to, to lead out and draw them into those songs. But but I'm, I'm curious to know, because you added a little bit to this note, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about this. <laughs> well, it's my wife. <laughs> That's what my thoughts are. Um, you know, my wife has been on, on several worship teams, and she, you know, she has a beautiful voice. She sings really well. And I actually love sitting by her and listening to her but one of the things that she gets frustrated by is when the worship leader's not leading, they're kind of in their own little world. 
and they're not leading the congregation. And and one of the telltale signs, honestly, is so many of these people don't ever open their eyes. They get up on stage and their eyes are closed for 20 minutes and they finished worshiping, but they don't have a clue what the congregation has done the whole time. And that's kind of become her pet peeve. And I've noticed, I've noticed the difference in churches where this happens and where this doesn't happen at the engagement level of the congregation. And I think it's a really important thing. It, it seems like such a small thing, but it's, and maybe it almost makes it feel like, well, but the worship leader is being disingenuous. Well, when you're leading, you have to do the uncomfortable thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> you're, you're hopefully leading the congregation and your team that is with you, helping you to do that, to have their own worship times. Um, I, when I was pastoring, we would always have signs because I would not only be preaching, but I would usually be part of the praise team. Every place that, that I pastored, my wife and I would be part of the praise teams, and we enjoyed that. But we would always encourage the, the praise team and the worship leaders to remember that we are lead worshipers, not worship leaders. Um, and there's a difference, you know, you're supposed to be worshiping and you're drawing other people into that worship. And so you're right, keeping your eyes open so that you can help them to close their eyes and worship. Yes. And then just communication and transitions, probably the hardest thing to train someone in worship, the area of worship skill set is the area of transition, when to say something, when not to say something. Um, and I, I think that really takes a, a lot of skill and, and if they have it, get them on board quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is, that is a special skill set. but I want to know too, though, that they're, pro- they're going to communicate properly with the congregation that, you know, your worship leaders shouldn't, they should know the boundaries of what to say. Like, I don't go into this a- area and they should also have a, an understanding of what's the right things to do. They, they shouldn't take the pulpit from you. I've seen that mm-hmm. happen. So right. again, also understanding a proper communication in that. I'm glad you said that about taking the pulpit because it is, it's tempting for a worship leader to start preaching. And it's like, well, it, that's not what we're asking you to do. The preacher, the pastor has a sermon you're you're helping them the folks around you to worship and so i think that's really important the next point that we have in there alan is that they they need to be teachers um you know they may know music but they may not be able to help others to even if they if other people know music there is a style and and a and teaching people to do what you were saying, Alan, about knowing how to do the transitions, how to continue playing, you know, before or after a song and letting things flow together. You know, there's some, a worship leader needs to be able to teach people to do that, but he also needs to be teachable, doesn't he, Alan? Yeah, so teaching and being teachable, I think, go hand in hand. If you're not teachable, you're not going to be a good teacher. So, because a good teacher is always learning. So I think they kind of go hand in hand. So they need to be able to teach the congregation. Um, you, you're going to teach them a new song. You got to know how to do that. 
you know, you can't sing a song once and then bring it back six months later and expect everyone to know it. You know, how do you introduce a, a new song? But you also need to be teachable. You know, are you willing yourself to learn a new song, to learn a new style, to, to learn to work with a new pastor, to learn to, you know, there's so many things that we, we have to learn. How, how to use all the tools of technology today to improve your worship experience. All of these things are, are areas where a worship leader can grow in their own knowledge. Well, and I think a sign of that, because when you say teachable, I'm thinking also that that person is learning from the sermon. Because I've seen worship leaders that once they get through with their part, they're like totally unengaged with the pastor and his teaching. Um, you know, I'd love I'd love to see a worship leader who's got his own notebook and his Bible and he's going along and he's writing notes, you know, and he's he's learning from what the pastor is is teaching that day um, that hopefully he's done some of that beforehand, even because he's done his best to find out from the pastor what he's teaching about so that he can build that all together. But I love when a, a worship leader is involved in the parts that are not necessarily his yeah that's great i love that you said that too because that's certainly something that we long to see is that they're tr truly engaged in learning that and then these last ones actually kind of i think trent deal with engagement uh number six or or the second number one as we might prefer to <laughs> here on the Anderson churches podcast um, but but they are team builders you know, so many of our churches today employ a worship team, which in some cases means that it's just more egos you have to deal with. Uh, but your worship leader has got to have the personal skills and the ability to build a cohesive team that can work together. And so the ability, especially if you're using a, a, a band or some kind of ensemble, is they've got to have the ability to, to do teamwork stuff. Mm. This, yeah. And this kind of goes with that humility part that we talked about before, you know, people who are, who are humble and, and like to build others up, they, they draw a team together and it is, there are uh, personalities and egos involved in this. Uh, it's kind of like years ago, I worked at, at a camp and, you know, everybody would donate their terrible horses, the old nags and stuff. And you had to deal with all the personalities of the horses and put them in just the right order so they wouldn't bite each other. And it's the same thing with a worship team. I'm telling you, sometimes you get those people that have attitudes that you just don't like to deal with and you got to, you know, pet them and put them in the right order and all that. But a, a person who's a team builder will speak the truth and love and help that person to grow, but also invites people to be a part of the team and, you know, knows that it's not just me and my best friends, but there's a bigger team. Yeah, that's that's good. That's a good way to, to put it, with the, especially with all the horses and stuff. <laughs> So um, the, the seventh one, Trent, is that they work with the whole staff team well. So in other words, they're team builders. They're also team players, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, Alan and I both have had um, folks that were worship leaders that were working with us. And 
and we were blessed by some amazing people. And then other times, you know, you wonder, well, does this person really care if they're part of our, our church or not? You know, are they doing their own thing? And so this is a huge part, I think, because that person, any staff member can destroy the team or they can build up the team. So true. You know, I've experienced that. I've seen that up close. You know, I've certainly been through some some really great times, but I've also had some really huge struggles um, in this particular area. And we'll kind of tag this one into into our 10th one, Trent. But, you know, I had I remember having a lady in my church who, in essence, told me that she didn't come to church to uh, learn anything. She came to bless the church with her amazing skill set. Wow. (laughs) uh, You know, because when we put an expectation that that our worship team be part of the church and that they be in some form of small group, so they could have spiritual growth to lead worship. She and another person decided that our church wasn't for them anymore. And so that kind of ties into that last one. You know, do they are they team players and also are they willing to get involved in other lives in the in other parts of the church? Are they willing to get involved in the life of the church? Those two people weren't. And honestly, mm-hmm. they had no business leading us in worship. They weren't part of the church. They were not part of the community. And it broke my heart and I felt bad for them, but I've really never felt bad about the decision that we made to expect that our worship leaders be engaged in the life of the church. It was the right thing to do. And if I could go back in time, I would have made that decision a lot sooner. Oh yeah. You know, and cause I've seen people that they just show up to do the worship part and then they actually <clears throat> leave the sanctuary after their parts done. They don't stay for the sermon. They don't, you know, they're not involved. They're not in, in a Sunday school class or small group class. Um, and so that's one of those cases where if nobody's behind you, you're not a leader. And so they have not only do they have no business leading worship anywhere, but they they shouldn't or, or they won't be able to lead because people don't know them. They don't know their hearts and their attitude says a lot about them. Yeah, I've got good news for you, though. If you've got one of those people and they don't want to get involved in the life of the church, but they're up there singing every week, they're not taking anyone with them. <laughs> yeah. It might be sad that you lost a skilled musician. Um, but the good news is they've not they've not amounted any amount of influence over anybody, and so they're not leading anybody, and so no one's going to go with them. You're going to miss them because you may miss their skill set but you're not going to miss them in the life of the church. So, you know, you want your people involved and people who are involved are, are more committed. They tend to care more. They also tend to be better team players because they're building relationships with, with others. So you want people who are involved in the, in the totality of the church. You want people who like their pastor, who like their staff and are willing to work with them because it's going to make for a better long-term relationship. I would also add, Alan, that, a worship leader themselves should be willing to have expectations of the people that are on his team too. Um, you know, that they are not only, you know, there and, and building a team, but they have expectations just as we would have expectations. They're involved in the church 
they would have expectations of their team to be involved in the church and to be say, okay, we're going to practice at this time. If you're not wanting to do that, then thank you, but we don't need you on our team. Um, you know, they're they're willing to make some hard decisions and have some expectations of people. Yeah, I was really blessed that our our worship leader, my last church, actually had a contract that is members. Mm -hmm. These are the expectations. This is what it's going to look like and what we expect from you. And I think that's reasonable. I think if you're going to be in, in the platform with people, um, you're going to be visible in the life of the church, that there should should be some expectations and those expectations um, should be met. So anyway, uh, we know there's a lot of variance in this particular style of ministry. Like like we said, um, some are some are super volunteers. Some are are unwilling volunteers, but they're the only person who can. Um, some people love what they're doing and are passionate about it and are just getting started out. Um, some have been at it a long time. Some are very traditional. Some are very contemporary. And some are kind of eclectic out there. You get some, some different styles with different things. But these are traits that we think transcend all the styles and that are really important for us to consider when you're looking at how you would build a worship leader. Yeah, so we appreciate that you've taken a little bit of time to listen to this. And maybe you're one of those people that's in a search team looking. Hopefully this list might spur some thoughts uh, as you look for that right worship leader. Um, I would encourage you to pray a lot because God has to call that person and place that person in your church life. And because I've seen um, just like any staff member, they destroy a church or they build a church up. And if you want to have an incredible worship leader, just as you want to have an incredible pastor and any staff member that you have at your church. So we appreciate that you've taken time to listen to these today. And we ask that you would do us a favor and share the Enduring Churches podcast with a friend. Uh, maybe if you have the opportunity to give us a good review, too, that would help us a bunch. We have... Gosh, Alan, we've got way more than 250 episodes out there now, and, and we just want to bless people so that they can endure and their church can endure. Yeah, you bet. So thanks for joining us, and we're looking forward to being back with you next week when we try to build a student pastor. Trent, that's, that's, that's a tough task. I don't know if we can pull it off, but we're going to give it our best <laughs> shot. 